0: To a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) I know that life is ever changing, and to be the best I can be, I have to accept that change is good. Not one of us ever finishes what we are here for until we leave. And so, therefore, why not make it the best life, rather than waste each day out of resentment, anger, or grief? I have fought life so hard since Dean's diagnosis. I could not let go of the happiness I had, and I did not want to accept the changes from losing a husband and a daughter. But there was no foe to battle, and I have been spinning my wheels for years. I got tired of the fight and have made peace with all of my choices in life so far and accepted that death is a part of life. For me, that was most the battle, and now I can start to look forward to something new. Anitra Valeria interviews Anitra Marie Simmons. She is the author of When Breath is Stronger Than Tears, a survivor's memoir of trauma, grief, healing, and faith. Anitra Simmons writes a raw, open, and vulnerable account of her journey through what it's like to travel through terminal illness, death, and a spiritual awakening. She gives vision to her readers of her emotions and heartache, and her mission is to bring continued awareness to grief and help others find their way through this painful journey. She shares her path to healing by becoming an artist and writer, and how she embraced spirituality to ease her pain, which led her to mediumship. She currently will be releasing her second memoir, When Breath is Stronger Than Tears by early 2022 and will follow with an illustrated children's book based on her daughter that passed away from melanoma in 2017. Her art is continuously posted on Instagram and Facebook. Meet Anitra at anitrasimmonsartist.com. Here's the interview with Anitra Marie Simmons.
0: In your own words, who is Anitra Marie Simmons?
2: I would have to answer that question, I think, with one word, and that is a survivor. I have experienced a lot of trauma in the last seven, eight years, and through that trauma came healing. And with the healing, I was compelled to share that healing with others to hopefully help other people going through what I did um, become a little bit easier. And so I think my from my being a survivor to helping others to survive is... Who I am
0: right now. Right. Yeah. And I want to say, I'm sorry for what you went through, going through suffering. And one of my biggest questions, biggest question really, is why do we suffer? Why do we have to go through the pain that we go through throughout the human experience? Is there a purpose to suffering? And what would that be? Like from your perspective, Anitra, what is the, the purpose of suffering?
2: I think that we all experience traumas in our life to some degree to experience the, um, the emotional aspect or the um, I guess the growth of our own souls in a human form. If we were um, our spiritual body, then we would be in a different state of being and being in this human body, we are experiencing things through the physical mind and body that are much more traumatic. And in doing so, we grow our own soul's um, ability to be empathic towards others, uh, to expand our knowledge of, of love. And um, without knowing those, those lows, we wouldn't really know the highs. So I feel like it's an expansion of our soul. It makes sense
0: from that perspective that we are learning to evolve into unconditional love, as you have mentioned, actually, the last interview we talked, I remember you saying that. Yeah, that makes sense from that perspective. And then from another perspective, let's say from the one of the goal of all that, if I keep asking, what's the purpose of even reaching that level of spiritual understanding that everything is love that we never die so is that what happens we suffer we then suffer less but we keep coming back anyway or we keep seeing this reality as we see it now or well, what do you have in mind when it comes to this understanding
2: i think that we have signed up with our contract with this lifetime in this physical life to experience certain things that our individual soul needs. And when we, we come through and and the things that that happen to all of us, which in some regards are all connected um, because we all experience grief and death and at some point in our lives, but um, you know, we all have individual needs of our soul to expand and grow. and the the different experiences that we have individually is what our soul needs to, for our individual need to, to grow in that direction. And I feel that that's never ending. Um, even when we cross over and, um, go back to our spiritual bodies, we always have more lessons to learn and more things to experience. And it's never, it never stops. It never grows. It never ends. I talked to somebody
0: recently, I, I don't think I interviewed her, but I, we were talking and then she said that she had lost her, her child and then she said something interesting. She said, you know, I'm glad it was me instead of my sister because I think she would not survive this. If this had happened to her, she would not survive. That kind of caught my attention when it comes to, like you said, we're all unique, so unique journeys and and lessons. So her sister perhaps couldn't go through this because it was not really an assignment for her soul. It was her assignment. Uh, in a way, I don't like thinking that way, Anitra, that we signed up for these things, for these levels, deep levels of suffering.
2: I, I do. I do think that that is... Um something that we as predestined for us and our spiritual teams keep us on that path to go through what we need to go through. Um but you know I it's funny that you said that your friend or this gal that you were talking to had that experience where she felt like her sister couldn't have endured it. I, I kind of felt that way about my husband. Um, I always wondered if I had passed and he had gone through it, what would have become of him. I don't feel that he would have come out in a better way. Uh, I think he would have gone down roads that were not the right ones. And so, you know, I feel that, again, this is all predestined. And the reason that some people, for instance, die from cancers and others, you know, survive through chemo or radiation or whatever it is they're doing they are that is their destiny to experience that maybe give them a wake-up call send them down a different path where others it's their time's up that's their contract and it's time for them to go home and it doesn't seem to matter um you know as far as the odds or or you know there's people that have come back to life from stage four cancer and others who have you know stage one end up dying from it so it's it's all pretty I, I really do feel that that is our path that we are destined to go down.
0: a question that I have for you that came to me is can we change? do you believe speaking about the predestined let's say concept of uh, learning lessons here and having almost like a plan already designed, can we change that plan? Do you think it's possible?
2: Well we all have free will so we can we can make the choices that we make, even if they aren't destined in our our pre-plan. I absolutely do think that. Um they may not be um, you know we come here with a loose plan. It's not set in stone that we're going to do this and achieve this and do this. We We kind of go down this path and we're meandering, and I, I believe our spiritual teams try to keep us on that path with signs and and opportunities and things that come up to keep us on the path that we intended. But we can absolutely make choices that were never, you know, in the original plan that can take us down roads that were never meant to be. um, For sure. I I do believe that. Yes. Yes. Me too,
0: Anitra. I do. uh, For some reason, I trust that, that we can, um, the more open we become to life, the more we are open to learn and kind of end ignorance. And by knowing our true nature in a sense that who we really are don't ever die. It's infinite, unlimited, and already expanded. Then we go back to that space, even in the body, even the body going through all the, the karmic cycles, which um, we can't stop that. I don't believe we can stop that. But we have that under- that deep understanding that, that that's okay for the body to go through all this because uh, we don't the real us. That's really my practices these days. It's based on Vedanta. It's a Hindu philosophy. It's religious, but it's a philosophy too. The more I study that in practice, the more I see that being true. I mean, to me, <laughs> I know that if everybody analyze that too, they will find that that as to be true, that we are always here never went anywhere never go anywhere <laughs> we definitely never die the body dies but we are not the body or the mind which is interesting right we think that we are the mind a lot of times that we are a body with the soul in it but there's something beyond all that
2: there's a book i just read um and it's very well known um it was written by a woman called anita morjani uh, dying to be me mm-hmm. have read. yes yep I, I hadn't read. I discovered that book just recently, and I bought it and read it. And um, her philosophy about, um, you know, our 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 souls are within our body at all times, but because we are living in a physical body, our soul is there, but it is it is constrained by the mind, by the physical body, and until you leave your your physical body, you can you can't see like your your real spiritual self can see and know um, everything. And um, with with that thought process, um, you know, I feel that we are. That's why they say everybody can access their own spiritual. Um, you know, whether it's uh, connecting with spirit or talking to angels or whatever it is, um, we all have that ability within us. Um, but to have the human experience through a physical um, body, um, that that has the constraints on it um, in itself. So um, the, I think the, that the, the best that the thing that you try to do is to access your soul within your body um, while still being in a physical, you know, body in itself like through your mind if you can get to that state of being in which you know your soul is normally at when it's not in this physical life but still be in the physical life is the ultimate joy um, of existence in in, at this time and place Um, so yeah I, I do believe that we're all there and it's just we are constrained by you know, our physical bodies, we we can't see, you know, we can only see what 3D and, you know, when you hear so many stories of people who've suffered, you know, near death experiences or whatever, and they they can see 360 degrees and they know all and they feel all and they, you know, uh, all of these things, um, But we are hindered by our physical bodies to have the experience that we need to have. Um, that we couldn't have otherwise as our as our uh, you know ever-living existence. That makes a lot of sense to me, Anitra. I
0: love this, um, what you said earlier about being able to go back to what you call soul. I call consciousness. <laughs> it's just a different name, but it's the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. the infinite existence. But in the body, being able to realize this now that we are not... Only the body, you can say only the body, but we're really not the body. That would be amazing, right? That makes a lot of sense. And that's, I think they call it uh, enlightenment, right? Some call mm-hmm. it. that's when you come to that understanding or to that realization, really. It's not an intellectual realization, but this deep understanding of everything is one. There's no separation. So you look at everything and you see light.
2: <laughs> yeah, it Sounds, it does sound corny and sometimes very inaccessible <laughs> to yeah. our human brains, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I feel that that um, that 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 you know, when we we cross over, we go into we are all connected and we all go we go into a state of being. It's not it's not like we go to heaven, and it's this glorious place and it's somewhere where everybody's happy. and it's it's a state of being that we always have. Within us, even here in these physical bodies, we have, we just have to access that state of being and to access it, you have to, um, you have to find it within yourself. So if you say consciousness or soul, or however you want to talk about it, it's within our own self and nothing from the exterior Um, you know, material or relationships or whatever it is you think you need is going to make you find that state of being, but looking within your own self. It's not really a confinement, a prison thing, but
0: it is like, I think you probably heard about Nelson Mandela, that he was in prison, but he felt free. So Mm -hmm. it's a matter of attention, isn't it? It's not even a mindset because we can create so many delusions within the mind, but it's something beyond the mind. It's able to see the mind even. It's almost like I'm free from the mind, the thoughts, the emotions and memories and the body itself because I can see them. I can observe them. So who is observing all this? So that one, it's us. That's free. That's freedom itself. That's not Mm -hmm. even free. It's freedom itself.
2: Right, but I mean, and but that's coming from somebody who's enlightened. Whereas there's mm-hmm. so many who are not, yes. and they live, they live very confined um, from, from their from their learned behaviors and their environment and how you know uh, things where they grew up, and they become locked in that mindset um, that is a physical um manifestation versus looking within to their own soul to see who they really are um yeah so that's the difference is um it can be so i i feel like yes you can be confined by your body if you do not look beyond it Mm, Um, yes and to see who you really are
0: Right. If you have trained yourself to only see bodies and minds and thoughts and, and emotions and memories, then it's easy to just remain in, in those realms. Right. It's very easy, actually, because it's, yeah, it's very it attractive. Right. It's right here, too. It's, it seems so tangible and solid. Yeah. It takes practice going beyond all that. That's that's so
2: true. It takes commitment. Yeah. You have to want to look mm-hmm. beyond what is tangible in front of your face um, and go beyond that to find that what is your own truth, and that's and that's really hard for a lot of people because a lot of their things, their mind and body is holding on to, are very painful, and so they don't let allow themselves to think beyond what it is that they are are experiencing in the moment because it's too um, it's too hard, it's too painful or scary. Yes, wow, that. It brings me to a question
0: about even the reason why we are having this conversation today, why we um, agreed to meet and have this episode recorded, is uh, everything that you went through in life, the experiences, the suffering, and then what you did, the meaning that you found behind it all. So it goes back to this, the comment, beautiful comment you made about wanting to see beyond all this. Does it always take suffering? I probably asked you this question before. That's one question. And then I would love to hear more about, the audience would love to hear about your own experience with suffering and how you transcended suffering to become who you are today.
2: Um, yes. So um, my suffering, I feel, went as as deep as you can go without taking your own life. I was very, very depressed for many years, and I struggled to find the reasons to be alive, and I, I am still here. I, my youngest daughter pulled me out of a very dark place at one point um, and um, helped me to see that. Uh, even though i I felt such depression and bleakness uh, and I had no hope, um, I was being selfish to the people that were still here that needed me. And that alone, I don't know why, but that thought alone uh, stopped me from from going any further with with any type of suicide because I felt I struggled with feeling trapped. Uh, within this space and time with the grief that I had and but then also wanting to be here for uh, my grandchildren and my daughter and um, for a while I I grappled with uh, resentment of that you know why why me why do do I have to um, have all of these expectations I just want to be happy so my experience was to to continue to fight and look for reasons to exist. And in that in that uh, journey, I discovered so much more um, of the bigger picture of life and the meaning behind my life and what uh, what i what I needed to keep moving forward and what gave me purpose. And uh, in doing so, I was exposed to a lot of different types of spirituality. Um, and I feel that we're all exposed to a lot of that. And we pick, we kind of resonate with some things and not others. And until you eventually build your own Bible of sorts of life and have your own philosophies and thoughts about things and you can have some things that resonate with some people and others, you not so much, but you build your own belief system. And I, I think that that is individual to every person on the planet that we have to build our own truth and, um, find, find the reason of, of what this journey is and what it means. And, and all with the hope of, of knowing that life is everlasting. And we, uh, only our physical body dies so that we really don't die. And I think that um, the biggest takeaway that um, I because because I got into mediumship and the biggest takeaway um, my healing really really started to sink in when I became a medium myself and when i started connecting with spirits that were not not my family and i never knew these people and yet i could tell someone all about their grandmother or their brother or their father and with details of things that i knew i that were impossible for me to know and because i was able to do this it really gave me that proof inside my soul that that we don't die, and that my family was all around me. And through mediumship, I was able to receive many messages from them um, to keep me on the path and to help me move forward and to let go of that really deep grief um, that I was holding on to.
0: How did you discover mediumship, Anitra, that first time? How did that happen?
2: Well, it was um, in my first book, I detail the experiences. As soon as my husband died, he started sending me signs immediately that were just indisputable. Um, lights turning off and on in the room that I was in. Uh, That's funny. I was talking about signs and my computer goes off. Right. Interesting. <laughs> all of these signs were happening yes. and it, uh, I didn't know what it was. I didn't, because you know, I came from a Catholic background. So... I uh, immediately went to a medium right off the, you know, I booked with a medium to, to help me with it. And from there, I just started going to mediums all the time because it was like a phone call to my loved ones. And, um, and so I, I started, you know, becoming where it would give me a high almost to go and get those messages from them and confirm again once again in the subtle way that they were with me and it, it just never was enough and I think you can become addicted to that type of thing and it's very expensive um, but over time you know after writing my books and and doing a lot more research and and I started taking classes in mediumship and that type of thing I was led to a medium near my area she's out of Puyallup and I decided to take her mentorship class and I was shocked because when I took the classes um, I discovered that I was already having so many um, spiritual awakening situations where I was having visions I was um, leaving my body and doing astral travel I was able to do a reading for her fairly quickly, um, I was, there was just so many things I was doing that I didn't even know were a part of mediumship. I didn't know what was happening to me. I just thought it was me. And when you're, when you have things like that happen to you, you don't, you're thinking people are going to think you're crazy. And so you don't talk about it. You don't tell anyone what you're going through. So when I started this mentorship plan and started having classes and her teaching me things about connecting in with um, my, you know, connecting more in with myself, my emotional state, my energy, uh, that energy connecting with other people's energy, that type of thing, it all clicked and everything came together and i was able to move into mediumship fairly easily because i had already been doing a lot of it on my own and and not even knowing it naturally Just because right. i would i would try to i would try to constantly connect with my husband and my daughter and my dad and and now my mom my mom passed from dementia but recently so it it was it was a way for me to feel that i had one foot in that door and the things i was doing to keep that foot in the door were things that you do to be a medium and it just was a natural step in that direction right wow see that sounds like a calling doesn't it it's a soul's
0: calling which means has been always with you then it's you're not able to change that path of knowledge of spiritual knowledge it came to you naturally anyway That's amazing. I wouldn't say that I'm amazed by it, because I do see that as a natural thing, a natural phenomenon. It's not really something strange or different. It's just that, that as we talked before, a lot of us don't access those channels because we are not open to them, not yet. I think at some point, all of us will find the truth, or the truth will find us anyway, regardless. (laughs) Even if we wanted to find it or not, it will catch us. So talk to me, Anitra, about the new book that you have written, When Breath is Stronger Than Tears, a survivor's memoir of trauma, grief, healing, and faith. I'd love to know the main intention of writing this book.
2: I think the main intention started out to be able to share the trauma that I went through with my childhood, the disconnect of the feeling of love that I didn't receive from my parents Um, and, and moving into womanhood, uh, my original intent was to, to show that because I didn't feel the love that I, I needed to, to feel as a child, that when I grew up, I made poor choices with men and things in my life that caused me more trauma. And because I was always looking for that unconditional love. And I did receive that love, of course, from my children, but I also received it from my husband who then, you know, after a certain period of time was diagnosed with glioblastoma and passed away. So to, to, to wait that long to find the, the love that I wanted and, and yearned for when I was younger um, and then to just lose it and have to start. I uh, felt like what I felt at the time, like I had to start again with life, um, threw me down this spiritual path. But I was trying, I think, to share um, that when we're looking for love um, as as children, when we don't receive that love for, as children, and we start looking and making poor choices, and and putting ourselves, especially women, into situations where we can be hurt. Um, not only mentally, but physically, um, that hopefully that they could see that that the love is from within, and that um, we don't have to necessarily have that external piece of love to feel unconditionally loved, um, and that life is so much more than that. So the book kind of came kind of came upon trying me trying to help young women, but then kind of morphed into um, me finding myself and finding the love for myself throughout this entire journey and coming out on the other side um, by wanting to help others and to show other people kindness and love um, that were missing missing it um, you know, like I, I was. yeah. You wrote something
0: interesting in your book. You say, I did not question that life, everything, that the experiences you went through, the suffering back then, since I knew nothing else. So it's kind of a challenge because when we are children, we are programmed. I mean, we can't really judge. We don't know the difference between, we don't know what love is, basically. So we just accept whatever is given to us, that they call it love. We just accept that as the truth when it's not. And then the now it's just finding the truth as we get older that, you know, takes so much work, (laughs) has been my case, in your case too, Anitra. So many people that I talk here. So it takes a lot of uh, effort. And it goes back to the same idea of spirituality or the spiritual path. It's that desire, this really, yeah, I would say a desire to learn, to know more, to question everything. Almost question our own selves. Ideas of life, ourselves, and our intuition. Even at some point, I could not trust even even my own intuition. So it's kind of trusting ourselves again, isn't it? The process it goes back to it, trusting oneself.
2: Right. Yes. It's it's. I think that biggest that's the biggest challenge, and I think that's part of the journey. Is we are raised with certain beliefs and traumas, and um, our our construct of of life has. Our own, our own individual, um, you know how we see it, and um, then when things happen to us um, that don't make sense, that don't fall into those categories, you you start to fight back, and because you want to be happy, you your soul knows that you know you you want to be happy, and so you start questioning things, and that's that's the turning point. I feel that some people ignore, and they continue to live in that lower vibrational state whereas others look for more meaning and go beyond that and they learn from their experiences and they grow from them um so it's every individual is different but it is it is the i think the growth of the people who look beyond what is is written in front of their face and and look for answers and meaning are the are the strongest souls that are fighting for what they know what they know they know but they don't know it (laughs) right
0: (laughs) yes that's it (laughs) yes right (laughs) it's like it almost sounds like a playful thing right but it's um yes i hopefully it is playful like that and in the way it is isn't it anitra because we are already free when we go deeper into it questioning and doing our homework we'll find out that we are already free of all this free of all suffering and then happiness automatically arises because there's nowhere to go, but just be here. So it just arises as happiness. Although freedom, what we are, it's not that it is, uh, it's freedom. It's just, it's freedom itself, actually. It's not just giving us that feeling of freedom. It is freedom. It's not just giving us the, uh, the flavor of happiness, but it is happiness itself. That amazes me that we don't see that and we don't don't ask deeper questions and go deeper into it. But I guess, as you said, I think we just talked early. Um, it's not for everyone, perhaps, in this lifetime. So, but we are, paid, you know, life is patience. <laughs> um, yeah, another thing that I want to talk to you about is um, the art. How did you discover art? Or how did art discover you?
2: Well, I first started um, practicing art went right after my husband died. The evenings were the hardest for me. That was the time that we spent together, you know, holding hands, watching TV, whatever. And it was just so painful. And so I always loved art, uh, even as a child, and I never had time to do it when I, as I got older, but I started with this process called Zentangle. And it is a type of drawing where they it's basically zen means to meditate and tangle is a repetitive pattern. So I started drawing these these patterns and you know um creating art with flowers and and just animals and different things out of these patterns. But I wanted one day I decided I wanted to become a real artist in my mind. So I I got a book that says how to learn to draw in 30 days. <laughs> oh, I just yeah. started <laughs> practicing, and then from there, I found online classes uh, that teach you. You know, start. And I'm always fascinated with with people, people's faces, emotions, experiences, and so I wanted to learn to draw faces, and so I just kept practicing. And I gave myself, I think it was the year 2020 or 2019 that I said I would draw something every single day of the year. And I far exceeded that. I I draw almost every day up until even when I started back in 2018. I still draw every single day um, because it, it, it calms me. It takes me into a place that I can either be focused on achieving something that I want to create. um, But it's, it calms my mind. And um, it takes away any negative things I might be feeling and throws me into the moment of creation. And that that gives me joy. And I'm drawn to that all the time. I'm I, I want to be in that state because I like it. <laughs> right. Oh, who doesn't? <laughs> I mentioned off-record
0: looking at the art in your book. Again, I want to mention the title of your book again is uh, When Breath is Stronger Than Tears. So looking at those images, the art, I just lost track of time. It was easy to just kind of, it's easy for me to do that anyway, all the time. It kind of, it's deeper in a way. It really, it really stops the conceptual idea of time in our own minds, is just, it's gone, completely gone. So it's a timeless, it's a timeless thing that just happens. It, it absolutely and, it? is. Yeah.
2: When I'm, when I'm drawing, um, if I don't have three or four hours to complete something, I won't even start because I get so lost in right. the drawing. <laughs> I have no idea what time it is. And I, things get away from me because I'm so into what I'm doing and I do lose track of all time while I'm, while I'm drawing or painting.
0: It's really a meditative, uh, also practice via nature. That's what it is.
2: Yeah, it is. It, it takes you out of your body and you're working from the soul, which, you know, there is no time in our soul bodies. Their time doesn't exist. So maybe, maybe that's why, you feel that way because when we do meditate or are, are involved in something where it's coming from our soul, we kind of leave our body in a way while we're doing it. And then time, there is no time. So that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, you're planning to write a third book. That's a children's book. That sounds wonderful to me. That's even even more in way for there's more soul, more soulful, more soulful thing to do. That will be a children's book, all right? That's for about your daughter.
2: Yes, I wanted to write. She was such a unique individual. She had so many experiences um, that were just crazy. And we used to sit and talk about those things and laugh when she was, when she was still here. Um, and so I thought I would do almost like one of those little um, Mrs. Beasley books, like where she has these little things happen. I wanted to write a children's book and base it on her life and tell some stories about her. And um, that's kind of my, I want to write and illustrate the book. And so that's my, my goal, but I wanted to have also have some sort of message to it. And I haven't figured that out. So I have, you know, this book when breath is stronger than tears was just released this last year. And I've decided to take a break and I've been doing, um, more mentorship programs with mediumship and just doing more readings and that type of thing. But, um, I definitely want to come back and do this book about my daughter Tia and, um, you know, it'll be like my love letter to her legacy and to her children. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my God. I love the yeah. name. I love
0: her name. When I saw the name, kinda of, I had a smile on my face.
2: Yeah. She's beautiful. She's a be- she was a beautiful girl, but her soul was beautiful and she was she always was very kind and made people laugh. And she was just this funny little thing and I mm-hmm. just loved it. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. You got to write this book and let me know. I would love to yeah. interview you again. <laughs> For sure. I will. I will. Uh, it's a very soulful one. I mean, to the core. Another question that came to me is, are you planning to give mediumship classes to teach other people how to become mediums or see beyond?
2: Yeah, so this I, I offer mentorship programs on my website at Anitra Anitra com or anitrasimmons.com. I think it's anitrasimmons.com. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I have, there's a whole page on all of the spiritual stuff. Um, and then there's of course my art and then my books and all that is on my website. Um, and so if you go to my website, um, you'll see the, um, the books and everything there. Um, but you can sign up for mentorship classes, um, you know, anything, um, Oh, here, here, here it is. AnitraSimmonsArtist.com. There's a page that you can go and read all about my experiences, and um, and then it talks about mentorships that I offer. Um, And I have readings on there, um, and I I took those off. I just I'm offering mentorships right now, but um, I still do I still do readings. So if somebody was interested, they could always just contact me through the website. Ah, uh, wonderful to know.
0: I'll have the link on your podcast profile, Anitra. So, anitrasimmonsartist.com, but I'll have the clickable link there too. Oh, great! Thank you so much for your presence. I love the—is um, the energy? Is the intention? Ah, uh, is this beautiful perfume of the soul? <laughs> That's what it is, really. <laughs> it's just here. So, thank you for being open to all that, Anitra.
2: From- Being open to go deeper. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I loved spending time with you. Before we say goodbye for today, I have a few more questions, the ending
0: questions. Would you like to add anything that you left unsaid or read a passage in your book?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I think that if I was going to leave leave the listeners with something, um, I think it would be... um, to remember to find your true soul within when you're feeling unhappiness in your life, whether it's stress from work or relationships or financial. Um, Remember that the happiness doesn't come from anything external, only from within inside you. And if you can find that wonderful state of being, within yourself, then you'll probably go far. That's a beautiful message and reminder for all
0: of us. We tend to you know, go after things that gives us pleasure, but it's temporary. Uh, and it's just right. small pieces, right? It's not fulfilling in a sense of kind of embracing everything, all parts of us. It's just very fleeting, the whole experience. It's just an experience it? and it's passing. Right. Yeah, that's a, a beautiful message. Um, another question, let me ask you, I have two questions for you that I want to ask. I wanted to ask in the beginning of the interview. So I'll I'll go back. Yeah. Let me ask you this one, Anitra. I mean, you, you probably said everything already, but maybe not. Who knows? (laughs) If there is one purpose to the human experience, one, only one purpose, what would that be?
2: To, to, uh, grow your capacity to love. And, and love and compassion with to others mm, yeah, and for, and for yourself.
0: Would that be the same as the goal to spirituality? Would you go back to the same message, the same answer? If I ask you, what is the goal of spirituality? What would you say?
2: I think that spirituality is a way to, to find your soul, own soul, to, um, to experience that a uh, bridge between human construct and our spiritual self. And um, it it is is it's a journey that you're probably meant to take um, in this physical life and it's probably something that you need to learn. Um, and um, it's I feel like that's a pathway to enlightenment. And from enlightenment we get, more love for ourselves and others, because it all comes back to love and connection with others. That's really the bottom line of everything is connection and love. Mm, yes, which is
0: one and the same, right, in a way. If we are connected, then love arises, then love is there. Right. And I have to ask you this last question, what are some of the misconceptions about grief?
2: The mis- I think uh, the biggest misconception that I experienced was that people thought I should just get over it in a in a period of time. And grief is a state of being. It's not something that you ever get over. It is something you learn to live with. And the um, the the people who who are around you that don't understand true grief um, when they make comments or. Uh, judge you for the way that you're handling it, um, then that that's something you need to learn to let go because grief is a very individualistic experience and it can take years or it can take months. It, the stronger the love, mm-hmm. the deeper the grief. Mm-hmm. And if you are experiencing that deep, deep grief, then you're more than likely on your pathway to finding more meaning because when we are in that that deep grief state we lose we lose ourselves and we lose the meaning of life and so you're forced almost compelled or forced to figure things out to survive in this in this physical life now and that's probably your journey um, you know what one of the reasons why you're here but grief is, is not something that anyone should ever judge someone else for. I think it's the biggest uh, thing I can comment on. Yes. Uh,
0: yes, I have heard that before. Um, although I have never, I never went through grief. So I don't know what that is really. But my husband has and I see the way he, uh, the way he still responds when we talk about his sister who died mm-hmm. young. Yeah, sadness arise and he changed. It's kind of, you changed forever, right, Anitra? That's what it is, grief.
2: That experience oh, I, changed I, you. I, it totally did. I am not the same person that I was five years ago, not even close. I'm a completely different person now.
0: And that can be, as you said, it can be in a meaningful way, in a, that transformational, incredible way, especially in the beginning, as you mentioned, it can be in a painful way, which it comes in the form of sadness, of depression. Right. I would hope it would not get to depression because depression seems a little bit deeper. It's almost like pain that has become suffering. That's what it sounds to me.
2: It is. And and that's, I think, one of the reasons why, you know, people who haven't experienced it can't empathize because it's such a visceral pain, even though it's intangible, that others can't understand that because... They can't see it, touch it, feel it. They don't. And but it's it's there and it is a pain. And for me, it was physical and mental. um, And it was something I could not I could not describe or share with someone who hadn't experienced it. Um, And so, you know, that's uh, part of I think my journey was to experience that, but then try to help other people um, with that. Same type of grief, Um, learn, you know, learn that their loved one was still close by. They they could still talk to them. It was just different now. They just weren't in their corporal body or they were now, you know, energy, uh, just a different form, I guess. Um, And once you can truly believe in that, then it eases the grief to know that, you know, your loved one is really still there. They can hear you. You can talk to them. They just aren't in a physical form, um, and just knowing that eased my grief. But you have to go down a long path. Some people have to go down a long path to truly believe that, um, and to to they have to want to to uh, to find they have to want to understand and of why things happen, why they happen when they do. Right, uh, they need to be open to it and
0: to see that beauty that's left behind that was left, right, from that person. Right. And That's the movie that I talked to you earlier, Collateral Beauty. It's about right. the beauty that was left, being able to see that beauty still.
2: Yeah, I'll have to watch it. I may have seen it. I Maybe I just don't remember the name. <laughs> yeah,
0: you probably have seen it, right? Because <laughs> you yeah. said, yeah, that that's familiar. So thank you so much. I love what you said too about the more we love, the deeper we love, the deeper we grieve. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. I've never been
2: through it, but I that resonates true. That's a huge lesson because somebody who's suffering from, say, the grief of their pet versus someone who lost a child, you would say, Oh, that's not even comparable. But you can't you can't judge that way. That person who loved their pet loved their pet very deeply. So there, there is no grief that's better or bigger than other grief. It, it's all, it's all suffering. And that was something I had to learn as well, because I would get angry in the beginning when people would say, oh, I lost my father, you know, um, and it's just been so hard. I can't function when I'm thinking I lost a husband and a child and you know, and I had to learn the hard way that that's my grief was not any better than their grief or yeah, any yeah. or their suffering or whatever. Uh, it is, it's all one and the same. And those are the lessons that I had to learn through the process um, to empathize and help others. Right, so, because love is love, Ryanitra. Love is love. Yeah, love, loss is loss, and love is love. So it's it's all you know. Each person experiences their own their own thing and and it's not that one person's experience is not any harder or worse or better than another's
0: thank you so much that's to me timeless wisdom this is so wisdom consciousness wisdom that's i live for this for some reason who knows why yeah. thank you so much again anitra for your presence today we'll talk soon we'll be in touch again bye for now with thank, you. You. thank you thank you thank you
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Anitra Marie Simmons and her work, please visit com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.